0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. On this episode of the podcast, we will be discussing everything Oban. We'll go through the history of the distillery, current news, and of course, our personal favorite aspect of the show, the tasting. With me, as always, is my intrepid and brilliant co-host, Andy Kleschick. Andy, how you doing today?
1: Doing a lot better, you know. Can't complain, but doing a lot better. Very good. We're
0: deep into football season. Um, You know, we're trying not to talk too much trash as to, you know, not piss each other off. Uh, But it's going well so far. Uh, Week one's in the books, and we're ready to move on. Um, I'm super excited about this. This is a whiskey, um, uh, a scotch whiskey that uh, I've, you know, known about for a really long time. It's, it it's, um, been, you know, very, uh, staple in a number of, uh, TV shows and movies and pop culture yeah. and things like that. So I'm, uh, I'm a big fan as far as scotch goes. So I'm excited to, to, to talk about this one. So why don't we dive right on in Andy, tell the folks out there everything they need to know about Oban. Of course. <clears throat> so Oban is a bit older
1: than, um, Johnny Walker, which we covered last week. They were founded, in, um... By their brothers Hugh and John Stevenson in 1793. <clears throat> and it was something that they were found originally actually as a brewing company. With all the way back then. Uh, with whiskey distilling begin, beginning about a year later. <clears throat> for for them. And it was something that they began um, in well what is now the town of Oban. But I think basically the town grew around them more or less. Uh, As a distillery and as a company and everything. Um, And it was something that they originally moved to the Hebrides Islands uh, in the highlands of Scotland. uh, Towards like the western coast of the Scottish Highlands. Um, And that's where they decided to set up shop there and found Oban. And then, like I said, slowly but surely after they started there in 1793, the town grew up around them. Um, and they were one of the few, if not the first um, settlers to actually mm. set up in that area and uh, were able to keep the brand within the family for about three generations uh, in that area until about 1830 when Peter Kumpsty Kemp, um came in and um, bought out the brand from the family. And this was during those three generations, that about 40-ish years, was when they were able to see the entire town, or most of the town, historically at least, grow into what it is today. <clears throat> and it's something that, because they're on a small island, and because they're a, um, a just a smaller town and everything, they very much are have kept themselves despite some ownership changes um at least since 1830 some ownership changes uh they're currently in the um scotch whiskey uh stable under Diageo as we speak now from an ownership standpoint but since 1830 they've pretty much continued to only rely on being a small brand but a quality brand um only operating off of two pot stills Uh, and it's something that, you know, like you were saying at the outset of the, um, at the outset of the podcast, you know, this is something that has helped them to develop a very cult following, uh, especially due to its very distinct flavors and notes, not only as a Scotch, but as a Highlands single malt Scotch, um, which this is a single malt Scotch, uh, unlike Johnny Walker last week, which is a blended malt Scotch um and we covered the history of kind of what that is the differences there generally speaking at least um what that looks like and everything Yep. and uh i mean like i said they've changed hands over outside of those first 30 to 40 years with the distillery or with their um, brewing and distillery operations being in family hands you know since then they've pretty much been changing hands a lot until now whether they're owned by Diageo or a company that would eventually become Diageo. Um and they did have a little bit of a halt during the nineteen thirties, um for most of the nineteen thirties actually. Um I don't remember exactly why that happened. I never saw uh anything as to why they halted production, but there was just that production kinda of right before World War Two. Um but I I mean much like their, you know, small operations they only have a small products lineup there um open 14 which is the one we're trying today and then a non-age dated little bay an 18 year old uh, scotch and then a distiller's edition scotch as well um so that's pretty much everything about the distillery um and you know they are a smaller brand so they're just trying to keep it going but keep that cult following
0: yeah i think very you like you said it has that cult following it's very well known especially for the the size as you mentioned robin drinks it on how i met your mother it's it's some of the you know some of the big wigs and and billions drink it even though it's just a 14 year um so a lot of pop cultural revel uh relevance um and i'm i've had it on my shelf basically since i started collecting whiskey so i'm a big fan and uh I'm excited to uh, do the tasting of it here as always uh, we're gonna start with the nose a lot more
1: distinct of a nose for me than, than the compared John to Johnny Walker, Walker. Right?
0: yeah yeah absolutely
1: I've definitely I still get that kind of shortbread cookie that I got off Johnny Walker yeah. um, a but it's
0: sweeter I, but yet still smoky somehow like, yeah it's a little a pretty complex nose
1: yeah a little smoky. Uh, and that's something that they, you know, when they're drying it's out. subtle, though. Yeah. That's something that most Scotch brands, you know, you'll notice some level of smoke in there. Uh, some, you know, like in the Isla region of Scotland, you'll notice a lot of it in. Like Loggulon, Ardbeg, Lefroy, you'll notice a lot in. Sure. But that's, that smoke that you get in a Scotch typically will come from uh, the way they dry the um, malted barley in order to put it into production. Into distillation, gotcha. um, where they basically smoke peat. Most of them will smoke, as far as I know, some level of peat mm. to stop the to stop the um, growing phase of the ball,
0: barley. Gotcha. Cool. Well, let's give it a taste. Cheers, sir. Cheers. Like with the Johnny Walker, I feel like it's still very consistent from the nose to the palate. Not crazy complex, I wouldn't say.
1: No. Not super complex. I mean, I definitely get that malty and bready note there still. Um, but as far as a like fruit nose, I get a lot more brighter uh, like a lime citrus mm. note or like a yeah. kind of like a citrusy effervescent note like I get, that
0: i get the citrusy absolutely yeah, some note there it's maybe n- some
1: it's like p- apple it's or apricot p-
0: it's peaty but it's not peaty like an ardberg or you know like a, mm-hmm. like a Lagavulin, i wouldn't say yeah for an in- i think for like it's like a maybe a gr- it's like a great entry level scotch i would say yeah um I, but yeah big fan um i think this one ran me about Scotch is pricey. I want to say it was like 80 bucks maybe. Yeah. 70, 75, something like that. I don't remember because I literally have had this bottle for like two years. But All right, folks. That's it from us this week. Make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe. Leave a review. uh, Listen to every episode of Distilled Discussion. Share us on your social media pages. Uh, Follow us on Instagram. Tell your friends about us. We really, really do appreciate your guys' support. Have a great week. Pour yourself another whiskey. And don't worry, America, we'll be here to drink with you next week.